Welcome to the Airgun Geeks podcast. All topics talked about on this podcast are solely of our opinion and for entertainment purposes. My name is Patrick. Hi, I'm Adam. And how How geeky geeky do you you want want us to get? get? Hello, welcome to the Airgun Geeks podcast. How to say hello to your neighbor. Pat, how are you doing today? Well, howdy neighbor. (laughs) I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Are you sure you want to be my neighbor? You got a nice range. We can work on stuff together. And I don't got to drive an hour to do a podcast. That would be uh, that'd be pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you say it like that, it sounds so much more yeah. appealing. Yeah. We just need a bigger farm. That's what we, need. we take, need. Take out the houses next to us? That could work. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Legally. Of course. <laughs> so, permissions. How do you... Permission? Wait. Hold on a second. This isn't a Me Too thing, is it? No. No, it's not a Me Too thing. So they're called permissions. They're called, um, can I shoot on your property? They're called, hey, let me help you with the problem. There's all types of names, no matter how it comes up in conversation. But a lot of times, it's just nuisance pesting, whatever you want to call it, and getting permission. Sometimes talking to your neighbor, sometimes driving three hours. Well, in this big, wide world, we're all really neighbors. Oh, we are. We are one way or another, yes. So, uh, Patrick, I'm going to start with you. You have a varmint business. Uh-huh. We've got Varmint Guru. This is the Varmint Guru, guys. How do you go about getting permissions? I mean, obviously, for you, it's a business. There's more to it than just, hey, can I help you with a problem? It's a, someone approaches you, most likely, with a problem. Well, it can either be approach or you happen to do a drive-by. So, let's say you drive by a farm. You see a ton of pigeons all over their silos or their barns or on the ground or whatever. Or you see a whole bunch of groundhogs and it's a dairy farm, a horse farm, even sheep. Doesn't doesn't matter what it is. Livestock end up breaking their legs. So, well, you just got to be a little prepared, a little professional, polite. Um, I just go knock on the door and... Depending on how it goes, I have a letter that explains me and and whatnot. You know, I'm insured. I've been doing it this long. This is what I did as a profession for 15 years. And I'd like to help you with your problem. So how do you dress when you go to knock on someone's door? Because this is basically like door-to-door salesman at this point. Well, I'm not wearing a suit. But, uh, you know, jeans. Maybe if it's cooler outside, nice sweater, hoodie or whatever, nothing... Nothing trashy looking like you're some bum off the street. You got to look a little professional, cleaned up, and just uh, being polite. And just saying, hey, you know, I think you got a problem, and I'd I'd like to help you out if you'd be willing to listen for a few minutes. Then I know I've talked to some people that have gotten onto forums or groups or lists for problems in pest control. So what about that, where you get approached? Well, um, I'm certified with Ohio. To do nuisance pesting, because anytime you collect money for doing nuisance pesting or removal of animals, you have to be certified. So you have to read the book of the laws of Ohio, take a test, and then you got to pay the $40 for the permit. Then you're allowed to charge for it. If you're not going to charge for it, then you don't need that. At least that's here in Ohio. Um, but if you're caught, you know, you might get caught by the game warden or whatever. So you got to make sure that you're doing things legit. Um, I'm also insured, 
that's an extra thing. So I went and found insurance that covered everything that I was doing and they can specify what they'll cover. And, and you don't need to buy coverage. Like I don't use pesticides, so I don't need to be covered for that. I don't deal with mice unless I'm using a pellet. Um, and then I also use, of course, air guns. So the insurance policy that I have covers any damage from air guns or rimfire ammo. So I'm covered under both. And that's how I protected myself. Also, uh, to become an LLC, because you got to separate that, because uh, you never know what can happen. Okay. So you've got your own business. You have an LLC. You're on a list. You've been approached or you approach people. What kind of responses have you gotten personally? Like when you when you approach somebody, said, hey, I see you have a problem. I know there are people that have the same problem and what it can cost you. And we're not talking fish, fiscally here. Just... What kind of responses have you gotten when you've had these interactions? Well, it's been, you know, questions like, you know, who sent you? Maybe you know someone, you know, hey, your neighbor down the street sent me. And then everything's like, okay, um, well, maybe not right now, but you got a business card um, to the extreme of get off my property or else. Okay, no problem. You just pack up and off you go. So you gotta you gotta feel it out, um, and just you gotta sell yourself a little bit. The biggest thing is be respectful, understand where they're coming from, and that one. This also might not be a money job. This might just be a shooting job, to where you're helping out the farmer, and that's it. Uh, there's even you can even do bartering. So you got to see where the farmer's at and where, you know, you got to read them a little bit. Maybe now's not a good time. <laughs> There's been times where I've come in, waved, turned around and left because, well, that farmer was very upset or that property owner was not in a good mood and that's not a good time to approach. Um, there's even been times where uh, a lot of hunters will do this. They'll, they'll put a letter in their mail, in the mailbox, and they'll say, hey, I'd like to help you out. And you have a nice letter selling yourself and whatnot. Uh, if you're interested, give me a call. And then that's it. If you don't hear from them, then you don't hear from them. You know, if it later on after you drop that off, you want to go approach them and knock on the door, take it one step farther, then that's fine too. You just got to feel it out. But, you know, the key is respectful because they could say no. And it's like, okay. Now, have you ever had someone say, hey, you do this. Okay. Uh, prove it. Oh, yeah. Show a skill. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I have pictures for one. Um, two, I'll have some video, uh, some things I've done, or I'll say, "Let's go shoot some birds," and you can watch me. And if you agree with the way I'm doing it, as far as safety and and all of that, uh, you can make a decision then. So yeah, that's happened. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to share with your aspect of it? So a wise man once told me. Paying for advertisement is being punished for bad word of mouth. So most of my gigs that I do are by word of mouth. Hey, go talk to Joe down the street. Or, hey, I got someone that you can help. Here's their phone number. Tell them I sent you. Or is it okay if I give them a call and have them call you? Yeah, that's no problem. I don't advertise. Yes, I'm on the list for, uh, for Ohio because I do bats also. And, and people call me that way, but it's rare. It's mostly word of mouth. 
and you know through the vines if you would okay now this is going back at this point a few months where we did some work for sparrow control inside a building Mm -hmm. how did you get that particular permission so this is where you got to be respectful and you go okay they see a problem i want to resolve this problem and i said hey is the is the store manager in and i found the store manager and i said hey uh i own a nuisance pest business called varmint guru and i see you have a whole bunch of english sparrows flying all over the store uh, defecating and there's feces everywhere uh do you want are you looking for someone to handle that do you want me to do it for you and that's how it started and now i landed that contract okay you just got to ask that's how i do it and be respectful be respectful and be proactive okay so on my side of it and i do more of the hunting aspect of it not the um work aspect of it so the actually the first permission i was i'd ever gotten i was actually at a friend's property shooting a high powered rifle i'm a groundhog hunter and i was working on a new gun new load and i'm shooting and the neighbor across the street who doesn't usually hear gunfire there comes over and sees what I'm doing. And I talk to him, tell him, like, I know the landowner, his son's with me, we BS for a little bit, he's cool. It says, hey, the neighbor up the road has a cow, he's a, a beef herder, and he has a terrible groundhog problem. And he's lost a couple of head this year already to groundhog holes. Take a walk up the hill, talk to him, tell him I sent you. Which is exactly what I do. I put my guns away, walk up the hill, talk to the owner, and his comment to me is, okay, prove it. Go get your gun and go shoot a groundhog. And walk back down the hill, get my gun, come back up, get up there, and he's like, okay, there's one over on that other hillside. All right, look at it. Yep, 250 yards away. It's a poke, whatever. Done. At which point, I now had 400 or so acres to shoot. And from him, um, actually just a couple of county, not a county over or so, he's got a friend that has horses, 800 acres. I've only ever gotten permissions by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. That's it. I've never, for that type of permissions, I've never knocked on someone's door. Now, years ago, I used to do a lot of turkey hunting and I did a lot of public game lands. And I'd usually make it a point to go to the neighbors or to the people that were up against the game land to make sure they were okay. Hey, if I take a turkey and I'm on the border, is it okay if I come on your property to collect it? If it's not, then I'll make sure to avoid this edge line. Like, I'm not looking to infringe or encroach. I would walk in with my hunting garb on and my camo. Usually I had the hood and everything. Sometimes I even have a deke on my shoulder. Just to prove the point, like if you don't want me here, I don't have to be here. I've never had somebody turn me down. I've never been yelled at or cursed at. Usually I get laughed at, but I'd say it's a case of mm-hmm. breaking the ice, like walking in in camo, but not looking like a crazy person, which I probably still do. Usually was a good way to start the situation. Mm-hmm. But it was always very professional, very courteous, respectful, as you said. 
And I always made it a point. I had, you know, two notes that said, hey, like, this is your property. Here's the address. Please sign that you're giving me permission because if a game warden stops me and I'm on your land and I don't realize it, I don't need to get my guns in my truck, you know, impounded. Mm-hmm. So that's the route I always took. Yeah. And and that's literally that simple. Hmm. And, and if, as time goes on, you'll have people calling you. It's, it's, it's crazy. So then, and then what, what follows that is having the right equipment, you know, and, and we talk a lot about tuning and all that in the past. And, and we've talked about, uh, permissions and, and, and the business and stuff, you know, you, you don't want to go out doing pigeons at a farm with a sub 12 foot pound gun or a 12 gauge shotgun or a 12 gauge shotgun. We're talking precision shooting. Minimal, 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 if any, damage to the property. Uh, and make sure that that's expressed up front with the with the landowner. That doing this job, there can be some damage, and we'll fix it as best as we can, um, and, and whatnot. Um, but it's about having the right equipment and making sure that your equipment's good. You're not showing up with some inaccurate, you know, let's say a brake barrel or whatever. You, you got to make well, sure that because you're paid for he- by the head. A lot of times is how I do it. I'm paid by the head, which also shows a big thing for the landowner. Because I'm like, you know, let's say I'm charging ten dollars per pigeon, and I'll say ten dollars per pigeon that I put in front of you. They're like, oh. And then I come up and I show up with a thousand pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so 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 things like that do happen, but it it, it gets you in the door. And it's about making a buck correctly, since it's a business. You know, even if I break even, pellets, gas, maybe some food while I'm there, all of that. You know, because I try not to leave the house unless it's a hundred dollar bill. But sometimes it's just me and me and you, for example, pushing some air. I can't say busting caps, but pushing some air and uh, solving a problem and and going from there. You know. Um, I could even see it happening again where I'll be like, I'll take care of your pigeons for the whole year. Give me half a cow because they're a meat dairy. You know, they're, they're, they're a meat farm. And, and go from there. You know, barter and trade. That's sometimes better than money. You know, because a um, couple programs that you'll see, like like air hunters, they're talking like expense. Uh, the farmers are spending sixty to $100,000 in lost feed to the birds. You know, and then you come in and you're, let's say you're a thousand dollars a month. That's only twelve grand a month versus sixty thousand to a hundred thousand a month. Well, you're talking about overseas. I mean, if we look here, look at the grape, the vineyards, vineyards, the berry farms. Like, what is it? It's some of these birds will eat a half a pound to a pound of berries a day. Well, you get hell. Even if we say that's fifty birds, that's fifty pounds every day. 350 pounds a week that's 1200 pounds a month you're all of a sudden you're a ton every two months and think what the price of berries are guys like look at the price of grapes all of a sudden that becomes a lot very quickly groundhogs not just for the animals but also tears up crops and creates all types of issues so there's a magnitude you know but but ultimately it's it's that first impression you can't make a first impression on the second time that you meet them, you know that that's a big thing. Um, really, that's 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 like the main things. 
And then while on the property, you know, just make sure that there's some way if they got workers, that's a big thing. If there's workers on the farm, you know where the workers are at. Unless, you know, even, even if you got a solid shot, like it's against the, a concrete silo, you want to know where the tractors are running, where the workers are at, you know, um, and then you want to make sure that the workers know that you're there. Because the last thing you want to be doing is aiming at a, at a sparrow or a pigeon or a starling. And here comes a tractor around the corner, you know. So, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a big thing, too. I guess when it really comes down to getting permission, the real heart of it is, is be respectful, be courteous, and act as professional as you can. Whether you're doing so as paid work or volunteer, helping out, enjoyment, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Be respectful and courteous. And, you're, and remember, you're, you're there to do a job and you're, you're launching lead. You've got to remember that. Even if you think no one's there, still walk the farm. Make sure that it's scheduled, that people know you're there. All of that. I can't emphasize that enough. Because the last thing you want to do is be in a situation where someone gets hurt. And, you know, that's 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 the biggest thing for me. But it all starts with that handshake or that first impression. And then it can just grow from there. What's the time of COVID? You mean elbow bumps? Elbow bumps, high five, waves from the distance. Yeah, however you want to do it. Whatever tickles your fancy. Namaste. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Now, a while ago we talked about, I picked up a used QB78. From Pat, actually. One of the ways we kind of um, got to know one another once I started working with them was I needed a very low-power gun because... Um, Shooting sparrows with a 60-foot-pound 25 at 25 yards was um, excessive. I'd say overkill. There's no such thing as overkill. There's just dead, and then there's dead dead. (laughs) Just like shooting a starling with a 91-foot-pound crown. I know, right? So, okay. So I picked up the used QB78 from you, which has been slightly modified. Okay, heavily modified. Uh Uh-huh. So, I will be honest, I didn't do the work. So, what was, what, this poor Franken gun, what did you do to this thing? (laughs) Well, there was a big craze going on, probably about, it's been going on for a while, but about three years into my air gun career. So, let's see, about 20, about 2015 for me. And the QB78 was a CO2 gun. So operating pressures are right around 800 PSI approximately. And doing some research, and I'm like, I don't want to be emptying all this CO2 all the time, plus it's temperature affected. Sort of digging into, how can I make this an HPA, high pressure air? So at the time, there was a couple companies that sold the fittings. That would go on the end of it. So there's a little drop down that would go into where you would put the CO2 in. And you had to drill holes to line everything up, put screws in, uses double O-rings. And then it takes the little uh, 13 cubic inch ninja bottles with the regulator on it. So that's step 
one. So hold on. So we took a 800 PSI operating pressure gun, and now we're at 1,100 PSI. Right. Yep, 1,100. Okay, so we're still in safe operating ranges, though. Oh, well, within safe operating ranges, yes. For a steel gun. Yes. Okay. Yes. This was all been been done for years by Archer Air Guns. Huh? Um, he's the one that took all the Chinese QB-78s. Then they came out with the 79, so it's actually a modified 78, which turned it into a 79. And the 79s are high-pressure air. So you put the reg on there, you do all that, but you're not done. Because the hammer ain't going to hit hard enough. Okay. Because you raise the reg. So there is a Frankenspring setup that is in this gun. It's got a little nut. It's got a, a spring in there. It's 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 jacked up something fierce in there. But what it does is it ends up giving you what are we at? We're like eight. 810 feet per second, 820 feet per second. It's right around 12 foot pounds. It's 11. I don't remember the exact velocity. It's 11.7 foot pounds with a 7.5 grain pellet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It likes that and it likes the eight. Was the 8.4 JSB, which nowadays, if you can find it, they're gold. Um, and it wasn't too crazy on head size. Huh? It, it would do either. I always went with a bigger one if I could find it and then we were fine. Um, so, so I drilled a hole in the back of the plate for where the spring would actually go in, which is an adjustment. Then I found this off-the-wall slip-over moderator. And without it, it's pretty loud. With it, it sounds broken. Well, why don't you dry fire it by your mic for the uh, listeners? So let's see. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I just put a hole in the ceiling. Not just joking. Um, but it's single shot. They did at the time make a magazine fed system. But I I can't find it anywhere. Well, didn't you have to replace the receiver and it was like one it, of the old Izzy um It was just the breach. It was just the breach? Just the breach. It was a direct fit and it would basically take the gauntlet max. Oh, okay, because that's not the one I saw. I saw one that you change out the the receiver. And it dropped it down a little bit, and you had like the Izzy five shot slide throws. Correct. Yep. Yep. There was that style too. Okay. Yeah. The the one that Archer sold, Archer Airgun sold back in the day, it used it looked like the old Marauder magazines, okay. and it was very blocky looking. Looked like a Marauder, um, which would be closer to the Discovery type setup, which is basically a longer QB seventy nine, and it's all built in. So you don't have the little bottle. You got the big air tube and all that. And it's got a lot more power. So So we have the HPA adapter, Uh the regulated uh, 12-cubic-inch Ninja bottle, the Frankenspring drilled-through receiver plate, Mm -hmm. a screw-on, or clamp-on, really. Slip-on. Slip-on. With two two (laughs) little uh, set screws. That hold it on. Okay, moderator. What else? Because that bolt is really smooth. I polished it a lot. A lot. Okay. I polished it a lot. Keep it well lubed. Um, and the trigger is nearly an atom trigger. Yeah, lots and lots of polishing. It's a it's a single stage, 
Oh. Just highly polished with, I think I used a little bit of axle grease for the lube, just to film, just to film everywhere because it's such a pain to take apart that that seemed to work fantastic. And ballast all for the bolt and ballast all for the hammer and spring and all that. So is there anything else I need to know about my gun? No. No, don't take it apart. <laughs> no, I'll call you. <laughs> exactly. And that's it. Oh, and it's got a wood stock that I put this like, I don't know what you'd call it. It looks like bed liner, but it's textured paint. And that's it. I wouldn't have guessed that, actually. I actually thought that was plastic. Yep, it's wood. Huh. Okay. I really did learn something new about my gun that day. Yeah. So I, I do say, I have to say I have one issue with that gun. What's that? I'm missing my scope. It is missing a scope. I wonder where it's at. No idea. Might be on my S510. <laughs> sort of got the HFT bug, so. Trying out different scopes since you have a bajillion of them. I thought it was a bazillion. It might be a bazillion. It's not a bajinga, though. Uh, no, no. So. All right. Okay. So, guys, thank you very much for listening. Hopefully, we learned something new today. And if we didn't, at least hopefully you enjoyed the banter. Guys, as always, stay geeky. Thank you again for taking some time out of your day to listen to the Airgun Geeks podcast. If you have any topics you would like to hear on our podcast, feel free to email us at airgungeeks at gmail.com. You can also join our Facebook group, also titled Airgun Geeks. And we are also going to have a YouTube channel titled Airgun Geeks. And possibly in the future, there might be some videos on there. If you like what you've heard and would like to help support Airgun Geeks, please check out our Patreon page. Or you can also just donate to our PayPal links. Just go to the links that we have in the description to help us out. Last but not least, if you like what you heard, give us five stars. We, we would really appreciate that. Till we meet again, shoot straight and stay geeky.